mean, it, I, I can't stress it enough how, you know, people end up just uh, saying, you know, just following the wrong things for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. especially dealing with money because they want to make more money versus like being consistent in quality. Yeah. Uh, I've had tons of people that, you know, say that the investors aren't listening to them and making them do stuff that just making them put out crappy products. Like it happens every day. So watch your partnerships, watch your investors, make sure that, you know, you have, when if you, you know, like the biggest thing is like you're building something. How many people want six million, six million dollars, six million, six million dollars, six million, six million dollars and more. Welcome to Blue Dream Radio, the People's Cannabis Podcast, a weekly podcast giving communities of color a dose of the real deal in the cannabis industry. Learn with us, smoke with us, and join us as we bring truth to power. Clearing my head, glasses on, wine glasses down. My genius is steady overlooked. When a nigga really should be overbooked. I got desires of the quick chicken, but it's taking long. That shit is overcooked. And welcome to a new episode of Blue Dream Radio. As always, I'm your host, Freedom. And today we have a special, special show. We have one of the pioneers from, from out here, Connecticut. From what, what, what was your, um, where you live at again in Connecticut? I'm in London. New London, Connecticut. So he's one of the pioneers out here. One of the brothers that, that is pushing for equity, that is helping uh, people of color to make to make sure that they make it in the industry. So he's really putting in the work um, to make sure that our people are represented and we're not an afterthought. So his name is Lupino. Um, he runs uh, Gene Traders. That's where we met. Um, but he's a, a all-around connoisseur and all-around entrepreneur. Um, he's he's done so much. But I'm going to let him introduce himself um, and, and tell you um, who he is and why, what he's doing right now in the industry. Go ahead. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, I love what you guys are doing. Um, you know, it's really important to make sure, you know, um, people get this firsthand, you know, um, knowledge and experience from, you know, uh, from the people actually in the industry and people like you, you know, feel me, you're, you're, it's essential to this movement because without the information, man, it's just, uh, some people like to hoard it. Yeah, like they're holding the, the toilet yes. paper right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. My name is Lupino. Um, I am creative director for D9 Lux, which is a branding agency specifically dealing with the cannabis industry in New England and the East Coast in general. Um, uh, we do, we help every, you know, we, we do uh, website designs, graphic design, branding, like 15, 20 year, you know, branding campaigns. Um, PR crisis, uh, management, event management, um, uh, you know, activism, uh, you know, uh, lobbying for legislative uh, purposes. Okay. Uh, we tend to do a little bit of everything. So, you know, I, we have the clients in all aspects of the cannabis industry from, you know, a lonely baker to, you know, a gigantic, you know, medical uh, growing facility to, you know, dispensaries and it's, the list is just, you know, continuing to grow even more. Uh, you know, uh, we, uh, our company was the first, you know, we ended up producing uh, the first uh, cannabis uh, cup in New England. Okay. Um, along with the pharmacist, uh, you know, I was part of the first cannabis um, competition in New England called Cannabis All-Stars. They're like in their sixth year running, which is pretty amazing. Um, I'm also, I also invented and found, I'm a founder of Gene Traders, which is a, is a platform for uh, genetics. And... Um, cultivation knowledge as far as the industry it's just basically an event most events are either like some kind of business conference or some kind of cannabis competition uh gene traders is neither we just concentrate on the genetics gene clones tissue cultures and cultivation knowledge networking with each other um uh that's that's an that's a event that ended up coming out of necessity because i needed myself um multiple um strains or different patients dealing with like Rhode Island or Massachusetts, not Connecticut because Connecticut can't grow. Okay. Uh, but I'm still able to take care of patients in other states as far as, you know, cultivating for them in other states, which is uh, pretty amazing. I'm lucky to be able to have the opportunity. But at the same time, when I'm not, you know, um, doing business or helping people out, I'm usually at the state capitol in Hartford 
or Providence or Boston, something like that, trying to help out with legislation, uh, give my point of view, you know, uh, especially heavily in Connecticut. I mean, Connecticut now, um, with everything that's happening. Yeah. It's, it's, it's real, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm just, uh, at this point, and I'll be honest with you, Freedom, like, at this point, I've done a decent amount of work where um, I have a good reputation and I know in the industry I'm going to be a success. Yeah. The, the reason that I'm going to the Hartford Capital specifically is to make sure that not just me, but other people have the opportunity. So it's, it really, I'm not getting paid for it. Nobody's telling me to go up there and do it. I'm doing it all on my own, on my own dime, uh, on my own time. And uh, I ended up becoming part of uh, CURE, which is Connecticut United for Reform and Equity. Shout out to them. <laughs> Shout out to them. They, you know, they, you know, this is a, a, a you know, minority based. Uh, we go out and we, you know, um, lobby uh, legislators, uh, officials. We hold meetings. We hold press conferences. And the whole purpose is just to make sure that the right information is out there and not propaganda information, which That's is a, a full-time job in itself, too. But, yeah, uh, we, did it, we did it, and we have a pretty good, you know, uh, like pretty amazing standing now with the state of Connecticut when it comes to equity. And From a lot of hard work that Cure did, you know, not just me, but, you know, it's a group of us that, you know, go up there and freely give up our time and do it on our own dime to make sure that not just us, but everybody else can have an opportunity as well. And that's the fact that we appreciate that. And now you have, now you have somebody that wants to get involved. <laughs> now you have somebody that you can push to go with you, that you don't have to do it alone when you go out there. Because I will go and support whatever work that needs to be done out here in Connecticut. Uh, because there's a lot of money that needs to be reinvested, especially in Hartford, especially in New New Haven, Stanford. Um, there's a lot of communities out here that's been devastated by the war on drugs that we need to make sure um, that they are represented, um, especially now in this time that the industry is about to blow up. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. And um, we always read the, the body of, of the of the episode so the our listeners can have an idea of where the episode is going so our our today's um episode goes as follows in every industry there's always someone making sure pocs people of color are well equipped with the tools we need to succeed and even if we do not get the credit this week we'll be speaking with lupino ceo creative director of d9 lux and founder and owner of Gene Traders. He has dedicated his cannabis career to making sure our community members have all the tools and the help they need to succeed in this industry. He has helped many entrepreneurs achieve their goals under one condition. They pay it forward to make sure others succeed. Tune in as Lou breaks down how he has become a force in the cannabis industry and how he's building his brand and how he's making sure that others benefit Others benefit from all the hard work that he has put in, in the industry. So sit back, roll up, and get higher with Blue Dream Radio. Um, so we start our episode with a quote, the kind of quote of the day. Um, and then we, we, we read the quote out, and then you tell us um, what you think about the quote. Um, and today's quote is by Fannie Lou Hamer. Um, and she says, Never to um, never to forget where we came from, and always praise the bridges that carried us over. What do you think about that quote? Um, I always agree to never forget where you came from because it reminds you of the journey that you had to travel to get to your destination. And I definitely agree with you know praising the bridges that carried us over because the bridges are people that ended up laying down. So you can end up walking over them. So you can end up actually uh, have a better opportunity. Yeah. And that's something that our communities need. We need people that, that can create those bridges so we can walk through them. And, and not like some people have already gone through the bumps of, of the industry. So why not um, learn from them so you don't have to go through the same things that they have gone through? Um, and I think that's this quote fits um, perfectly for this episode because that's I think that's what you're doing um, um, in this industry uh, from from the conversation we have had and we appreciate the work that you are doing especially um, out here in Connecticut our listeners appreciate it um, and we want to make sure that the information you have is out and that's how we 
um, make those bridges um, um, work and how that's how we praise those bridges by making sure that the voices that's that's making it happen um, are you know are listened to and people are listening to the work that you guys are doing. Um, so can you tell us? You already talked a, a little bit about it, but can you go more in depth? What what is Gene Traders and D Lux? How was the form? D Nine Lux. How was the form? And what was your inspiration? So, um, Gene Traders was, um, I actually got this from a movie a long time ago. It was uh, called Robots, a cartoon movie where um, I believe Robin Williams was one of the main characters. Robots. And, okay. Right, yep. The movie Robots, right? So, yep. uh, the mentor, kind of like the old, like the, the person that kind of had a lot of knowledge in there that they were seeking to get ended up having this phrase, right? The phrase was, if you see a need, fill a need, right? Mm -hmm. Or you can find a need and then fill that need. Right. Meaning that there's always something out there that needs to be done. There's always a space that needs to be filled, right? There's always a necessity within any industry, like, you know, maybe, you know, an extra knob would end up making this whole, you know, uh, process faster or whatever. So gene traders ended up being just a need. Originally, it was called seed traders, but a friend of mine, uh, East Coast of Dam, a good friend of mine, ended up telling me, uh, why don't you call it gene traders for genetics so you can also include clones, and that's how the name was born. Wow. Um, I started, you know, I started in Rhode Island with the medical industry, then moved to Mass, you know, with the recreational industry. Uh, I did help, help, held actually an event in Connecticut dealing with genetics, just dealing with seeds, though. Um, and cultivation knowledge, which is pretty cool. Awesome classes and all that stuff. But the whole purpose of it was because I uh, I had it, and the need was to have a variety of genetics, but I didn't want to go to how you normally do, which is a website. There's very little information. You, you're not talking to another human. You can't yeah. call. You can't do any of that stuff. You just kind of got to take it on your word that hopefully it makes it to your destination. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it just helps it to actually be in front of somebody, ask them the questions, ask, you know, get a little back and forth. And it actually helps out the breeder or the cultivator as well because they can end up giving you some seeds and then you can cultivate it and then you can come back and give uh, give that breeder uh, your review on it because they need this too when they end up actually making new things. Does it affect, does it help you with being calm? Does it help you with being going to sleep? Does it give you energy when, you know, during the daytime so you can still like, you know, work and stuff like that. All these different types of um, data points need to be relayed. So th this was honestly something that uh, ended up coming out as a result of just having the event, which was mm -hmm. a good positive. Uh, so, and it was a know, great event was when I went. It was it was amazing. It was it was so much love in that room um, that I appreciated um, all the work that you guys put in um, to to make that to make that um, happen. The day that I went to, it was a great event. So. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's not your typical. Um, it's actually this is more of a niche audience. Uh, it's not your typical what you would see like at a big conference like in Boston or a competition where people are just looking to get like you know some free rollies or some free dabs you know to get stoned or like that. This ends up being people that actually cultivate. You know, yeah. so that's all you end up. A lot of people end up coming in there, and some people that you know want to get into it or are just curious about it about cultivation. So that's who strolls through the door, which is pretty awesome. So the crowd is really chill, and and everybody everybody is always willing to share like cultivation knowledge with you. It's just how it is. Yeah, and that's what that's what I found. Like I, I saw Louis Vega. Shout out to him from Weppa Farm. He was yep. out there. Um, we had him in the in, on the podcast. So um, seeing people like that in places in in that space uh, made it more more of a of a interesting place to be for me. You know, because um, there were so many diverse people um, there, so many diverse growers um, that it was a uh, it was amazing. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, now, Dina Lux was just, again, another uh, finding a need. And I used to work for um, uh, Bomba Radio uh, okay. up in Hartford. Uh, me and 
then two other guys ended up actually starting that radio. So not that we owned it, but you know, we were the ones that actually started it for the first three years and ran it for the first three years. So I had a lot of, uh, you know, that gave me a lot of, uh, uh, I was promotion director. So I ran all the concerts in the big stadiums and small clubs, small bar, everything and anything I did. So I got a good amount of uh, event management experience with that. Then I went to a branding agency and I was, uh, I learned how to deal with, um, uh, corporate clients instead, you know, $20,000 or $100,000, you know, contracts, which was, you know, amazing to, to actually get the experience of that. But I ended up getting laid off a week, I mean, two weeks before Christmas. Yeah. So, um, that's crazy. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, you understand? Like I was like, it, it, it was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible, horrible, horrible. Cause I, you know, all the money that I say, it was, a, it was going to be a good Christmas a lot of money saved up, a lot of gifts, blah, blah. I had to use all of that just to kind of extend to pay the bills. It was, it was a bad time. So. I can imagine. That was the, that was, that was the recession, 2008. Oh, man. So you, you had a double whammy. Yo, so I was like severely hurting. So I, you know, I did what I could. I, you know, you know, uh, you know, under the table jobs. I even went to labor ready because part of the thing, part of the problem that I had was that I was overqualified that to the point I couldn't even get a job at McDonald's. They said, mm. they said, you got director positions and managerial positions. It's like, why am I going to hire you if you're going to end up getting a job? In you're overqualified. <laughs> So I could, so I, I was forced to go back to labor ready. If you guys know what labor ready is, that's just like when you can't get no other job, you know, you, you got to do that's that. The only thing you got left. Yeah. <laughs> so I did it, and uh, you know, I moved back from Hartford to New London uh, to be closer to family and stuff. And then um, I started, you know, uh, uh, hanging out in Rhode Island, and I got introduced to people that are in the medical industry. And I started noticing that they needed a lot of the same help that uh, regular companies need, right? You know, branding advice, marketing advice, okay. uh, logos, websites. But people didn't want to deal with most people don't want to deal with the cannabis industry. So I made I made a reputation of being like the only one. Um, there are a few that opened. I think two have opened very small, but the um, they're they're not ingrained and they don't know the um, the cannabis industry like I in the sense of like I you know I developed for many years within Rhode Island and Massachusetts and Connecticut so I have a lot of friends and but what you're mentioning earlier I'm not uh, a lot of people say that I should be in front of the camera more but I tell them I was like that doesn't matter to me what matters to me is that the information gets out it's out so there, yeah the same information what does it matter Oh, yeah. dude, it should be you because you put in all the work. Cause I, I don't care about that. I'm behind the curtain. I'm making sure that the show actually goes on. Is that I don't care who's actually saying it as long as it's being said. said. Yeah, that's a but, that's a fact. Um, and also talking about like, go ahead. I started the company just. I started the company, you know, to just give some everybody a point. To, originally, it was called Terps and Trikes. Okay, uh, but I changed it to D Nine Lux. Um. Just to kind of like fit a little bit more of a rolling of the tongue, it just just a more branding because it's been like about six years with Terps and Tracks, so I changed it to D Nine Lux. Um, but it's just you know, and our work continues. Like it doesn't a day doesn't go by where somebody doesn't reach out to us that they already heard from us or they already know us that they need you know one of our services. For sure, for sure. And and then one of the things that you said is like finding a need. Um, always find the need of 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 any industry. Um, this is true for me because when I started this podcast, I was looking for uh, a, a podcast that talk about cannabis equity and how cannabis um, can benefit the communities that's been impacted by the war on drugs. And I couldn't find anything. All the other podcasts that I found was the people of color was either, you know, smoking. They were talking about smoking and they were talking about the genes, but then they weren't talking about cannabis equity. Um, so I decided to fill that need. Um, and that's why I created Blue Dream Radio because I couldn't find somebody that can, that have been, that can talk about these things in a, in a, in a way that, um, our communities can, can understand it and, and get the knowledge that they need. Um, and that's the reason why I created Blue Dream Radio because, um, there was a need for it, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, um, Going into our questionnaire here. Uh, so, give me one second. 
So, I tend to keep it short. I tend to be long with No, no, no problem. Um, how you decided to get into the cannabis industry and why? Um, I, I needed a job and I couldn't find one. So I decided to start my own business and I decided to start a business within an industry that is just opening up. Yeah. I see this if I would if this was like the early 90s or 80s if I you know to get into the beginning of like you know home computers or the dot com you know era you know where everybody was buying a lot of dot coms and stuff like that online you know a new industry only comes around every 30 40 years and this is the new industry it just made it just made sense, sense. Yeah. It was tough though because a lot of people were like, oh no, it'll never happen. And a lot of naysayers and a lot of like negativity. And that has to do with the propaganda mm-hmm. that's been out there. And I just couldn't stand it anymore. So I just, I decided to stop, you know, sitting down and I stood up and started doing stuff. Okay. That's fine. So, <clears throat> um, how did you uh, find like your, your, the people that, that comes to the gene traders, like how, how does that work? I, I just, um, promotion. I just developed a, our, the, the, so what I did was I made gene traders to be faceless, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a specific face. It doesn't have a representative or spokesman. It just is, it's just a platform. So we, so we don't bother to take sides. So, uh, you know, we don't, side with one type of genetics breeder or another we don't buy, we don't side with anybody uh we just pro- provide the platform so these breeders and these uh cultivators actually have a place to go um okay and they and like you was telling me before that um there was because of the COVID 19 there was like a need for you to do an event uh, because a lot of people was looking for you to to do this event. Oh yeah, that was that was nuts. Uh, about three weeks ago, when NECAM, uh, the Heinz Center told NECAM that they that they, they couldn't sell seeds, uh, NECAM realized that a lot, a lot, a lot of people go specifically to their events to buy seeds, not for the business part. There's a being three types, right? See, people that are trying to get free stuff, right? Yeah. People that are trying that are suits that are trying to quote unquote get into the industry. Which, that means they're empty suits. They don't know anything about the industry and then actual cultivators that are actually part of the industry. They're not going there to get lights or nutrients or anything like that because they can end up hitting up those companies directly. They're there specifically to get seeds. So, they, since that happened, immediately, I, I, like, I'm talking about like minutes after it happened, I was at the barbershop and my phone started blowing up. Yo, Pino, yo, is there anything you could do with Gene Chains, blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, everybody was calling me from from uh, all the way down from Philly all the way up to Maine. Like, people were calling me, texting me, sending me messages from all over the place. So I was, all right, let me see what I can do. I, I did put something together, but um, now with the limit, uh, that, and I put it together when it was like the 250 limit uh, as far as, you know, for gathering. Uh, but now they changed it down to 25 or 10. So there was no way to hold it. So I ended up actually uh, canceling the event. I had no choice. The venue wouldn't rent me the, the space. Okay. It just, you know, it happens. Yeah, it happens, and you, you got to go on the fly. Um, so can you tell us about how legalization is looking in Connecticut um, and what are advocates doing to make sure that our people are represented um, in whatever bill that they pass? Because I know they have three on the, on the floor, but on, on April 2nd, um, they just put a bill um, that they voted 21 to 19 that will allow... Um, 21, um, 21 and older to possess, consume, and purchase cannabis at a licensed retailer. Individuals could possess 1.5 ounces of cannabis um, without being, you know, harassed. And low-level possessions convictions could be expunged under this bill. Can you tell us what the bill is? And if you know, and is it good for our communities? Um. I'll start off by as far as like when it comes to equity, if it doesn't include uh, grow rights, it's not full equity because they're trying, they're, they're really trying to like monopolize in the sense of like, oh, if, you know, people grow, we won't make any money. That's not true. Cultivating cannabis is not easy. People, like a lot of people suggest that, you know, they're going to be able to grow and then all this, you know, all this, you know, black market 
you know, uh, excuse me, not even black market, but unregulated market was, was going to end up being all over the place. But that's not the case. Um, it, tons of studies have shown the opposite. But for some reason, a lot of legislators continue to repeat uh, false information. Mm. The biggest problem that we have this year, this year really, ends up being that it's an election year for the representatives and none of them really want to work. In the sense, they don't want to, they want to get reelected, so they don't want to vote on energy controversial to make sure that their uh, base ends up voting. And in which, to be honest with you, tends to be a lot of senior citizens, and you know, uh, which is weird. Senior citizens are the main ones kind of standing in the way, but senior citizens are also the ones that use cannabis the, the most. most. Yeah, it's crazy. It like, just doesn't make any sense. In my dispensary, when I go to buy dispensary, it's full of older older people. Like people elderly, that's yes. you know it's full of those people. It's crazy. So I honestly like I you know uh, I'm glad and I praise that the governor ended up at least putting a bill out. And normally when the governor pulls puts out a bill, um, it's you know it's amazing. It, it's almost a, a semi almost go. But unfortunately, Lamont has some bad like you know uh, uh, PR around him from dealing with his wife and his daughter, like, you know, and, and just kind of like overall, just being a corporate dude, Yeah, you know, it's just, it, it, yeah, it's so, I mean, I went I, to, I went to, to the, um, I'm friends with one of the senators, um, Julie Kushner, and she took me to, to the, um, the state of the state address that he did. Um, and that just looked like, a. um, like it was just crazy. It was like a, I felt like a Trump rally. Everything that he said it was, they were clapping, even if it was bad. I was like, but why are they praising this guy so much? And then when he was talking about cannabis, he really didn't talk about equity or anything like that. He just said, oh, we need, we don't want to stay behind Massachusetts and New York, so we got to legalize right. something. That's well, that was his. That's what he said. Yeah, but well, so um, over the summer, um. Uh, Governor Lamont and Governor Cuomo uh, met up three times, mm-hmm. talked about cannabis. Three, well, I don't know, they might have met like that, but the three times they ended up meeting, and three times they brought up marijuana, right? And the reason that is is because everybody, well, most people know that when it comes to like the big client in the East Coast of New England, it's New York, mm-hmm. right? So they're trying to make sure that there's a potentially open border back and forth. And, you know, like to for be able to do tourism and stuff like that between New York and Connecticut or also to be able to grow it in Connecticut and then sell it in New York. Because, you know, there is there is not enough weed for New York City. There just isn't. That's why a lot of it. That's why a lot of it ends up getting shipped from uh, California. And in New York City, like the number one consumer of cannabis in the world. Uh, yeah. 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 It's, it, it's just, you know, like, for example, just to put in perspective, right. Connecticut has 3.5 million in population total. Just in the five boroughs is 9 million people. Mm. Just in the boroughs. The whole state, 24 million. Yeah. So, the, you know, uh, you know, people are like, oh, what about Boston? No, Boston doesn't compare to what New York is, you know, and not to mention the tourism that comes through New York, too. So you'll be able to get in the cruise ship, you know, get down in New York, potentially jump in a van, drive to Connecticut, go see a, a, a weed farm, get some weed, and then come back. Yeah. That's, you know, but the reason that Cuomo and uh, Lamont were actually, like, pretty much talking to each other is because there's a lot of rich people that work in New York and live in Connecticut yeah. in the Fairfield County area. It, you know, that's the reason that mo- a lot of this, you know, uh, coronavirus ended up being over there because those people are, the, are usually the only ones that are, you know, that can afford to travel to Italy, Australia, China on business, yeah. stuff like that. And they're the ones that were catching it. Yeah, bringing it over here. Yeah, bringing it over here. Ukraine and all those places, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, you know, uh, it's just, I wish that I can say that it's definitely going to happen this year, but it, it's an election year and, and, and uh, I see a lot of politicians just kind of standing their ground, you know, and it just means that, you, you know, we'll have to wait for next year. It's just it's just so insane to have to wait another year for this. I mean, um, to, to tell the truth, like, especially in New York, I'm kind of I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy that if that happens, it's because our people are not ready for legalization. 
um, our people are not educated enough of how to become successful in the industry. That is not just growing or owning a dispensary. It's like all these different auxiliary businesses that you can open. Um, and our people, the way they're talking about it in New York City right now, the advocates and a lot of people and a lot of meetings that I go to, they are not ready. They they are fighting within themselves. Um, they not even a lot of them don't even want to bring the education to our communities because they feel that our communities are too far gone and they're never gonna be able to to make money or even um, get re um, reinvestment. Um, so it's like in New York City, it's it's kind of hard. Um, and I'm glad that it, if it don't pass, I'll be happy. <laughs> Because it's a lot of work to be done. Uh, you, yeah, you're right. But you know, uh, um, with most, anytime it passes, um, it's about about like year and a half, two year time frame before the first door opens. Mm. And that's just because of a lot of regulations and yeah. rules that need to be put out. And part, and the biggest part about when in Connecticut, we, like that's the big. That I, honestly, like the best part about what's happened in Connecticut is that we already have the whole you know equity thing on on you know on the bills, right? Most bills, like the, the big, the, the governor's bill looks, it's weird. It's the weirdest bill I've ever seen in the whole country. And I read bills all the time. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's half corporate and half equity. Like, it's so weird. Because and, you're talking about... What bill is this? What's the number? The bill? The governor's bill. Okay. The one he ended up putting out first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody else. Yeah. So, so um, it just looks weird because it, it's saying basically like, you know, they want to copy the medical system in Connecticut, right? Which we know it's full corporate and full monopoly. Yeah, only um, four, only four growers in the whole state. Right, right. And one of them uh, tested like positive for like all kinds of bad microbes and stuff like that too. So, twenty five percent of the weed in Connecticut is boo boo. Who knows? <laughs> it could probably end up being more, but you know, we don't. You know, it's not fully. They're not the DCP isn't doing a, a great test thing of testing because they don't really fucking tell us anything. Excuse my language, but no, no, they don't, don't worry they don't about tell us anything. Yeah, you can curse. You can curse. Trust me. All right, <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Um, but yeah. So, and and how is your organization educating communities that's most negatively affected by the war on drugs? Um, a lot of times, I you know people hit me up and um, you know uh, to ask me about stuff. Um, if you're a minority trying to get into the industry, I would say set up a meeting with me. Uh, we will sit down and I will, you know, we'll go through a lot of stuff. I'll hear your ideas, see, you know, if we can develop them or go, you know, if you have something or not. And if not, I can point you to a whole bunch of other, the, the industry is wide open. So I can point you to a lot of different places, uh, for it. But I, like, it's, like you mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of my fee when it comes to, you know, people of color ends up being paying it forward. That I'm going to help you out. That I'm going to give you all this information. But my price is, is that you have to do the same thing for the next person. If you see another minority somewhere, that you approach them immediately and you end up making friends, you end up connecting, you end up, you know, exchanging communications and actually uh, maintain. Yeah. Because if we don't, uh, the, the way it's looking like, and I honestly, I, I can't stand to say this, but it looks like, once it's all said and done, that the dust is settled and it's legal across the country, that w that minorities will only have about one percent of the industry. Yeah, that's what I always tell people. It's like we're gonna be one percent. So what's gonna happen to the other ninety nine? Yo, it's so nuts to think about that this industry already exists. It's just unregulated. It is not new. It already exists and has been existed for a very long time. And the ones that ended up actually working this industry ended up being a lot of people, minorities, uh, people of color, right? And now it becomes legal. And now we can't, and now they're kind of, they're finding ways to kind of like keep us out by yeah. uh, high, high licenses, high license fees, or potentially like, you know, you have like a drug uh, charge or, you know, or you happen to, they also, they're also working it with investors too, because investors want to invest in people that look like them. So we're, we're trying to actually like get together a whole bunch of like minority venture capitalists so we can actually have a group to actually point people to, yeah. uh, you know, getting this, getting the funding is like one of the hardest things. Yeah. That's the number one, that's the number one default for people is they don't have money. Right. Um, to, to Listen, you gotta own the building. Yeah, like, you know you can't rent it. You want, yeah, you got. So this happened in Massachusetts like a lot. There's a lot of stories of this. 
that they ended up getting their license approved and everything, right? They're on there, but they can't get a single dollar to buy the facility, build a facility, because you can't just rent it. Yeah. So and then if, fit, if, right? And like equity applicants, and like there's a there's a equity um, applicant and 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 um and that I just did an interview. It's called Next Level Edibles out of Oakland. That their space is empty. They don't they can't do anything because they still pen they're still pending. So and the good thing about them is that they found an incubator that they don't have to pay for their venue because the incubator pays for it. But a lot of our people cannot have a storefront just sitting there just waiting for everything to to work out and then you got to pay the rent but you're not gonna you're not making no money from that space um and another thing to me it's like predatory licensing too is um a lot of these companies are are looking for equity applicants just for the equity um application and not really making them ceos or owners they just another employee you know uh, yeah, trust me, I've, uh, I warn people about it all the time when they're looking for uh, investors. There's another way they can end up, besides, you know, predatory like licensing, there's another way they can end up doing it, too. Let's say, you know, you only need, you know, $3 million for your facility, right? But then they turn around, it's like, you know what? We like your plan so much, we're going to give you $14 million, right? Mm. Or people are like, wow, that's amazing, oh my God, blah, blah, but then... What happens is that you still, you owe that $14 million. And if somehow, some way, they feel like, you know, you're not pulling it in, whatever like that, they just stole, they just took your company as yeah. part of the contract. You can't meet the things, then we take the company. And they do that on purpose. They give you extra money knowing you can't pay it back. You've got to be careful. Yeah. Everybody has to be careful. And that, this isn't just my, you know, people of color. This is just everybody across the board. That's a fact. But the predatory one specific to minorities because they'll give you like some $40,000, $45,000 salary to hold the license and they're making like a few million out of the year. You don't yeah. get any of that. You don't see none of that. Um, and that's why our community needs to be, this conversation needs to be had and this information needs to be out there. And I'm glad that um, that you are talking about it because there's a lot of people that do not talk about that. They talk about equity and all the different things, but they're not really thinking about the things that comes with that equity license, you know? No, I don't. Um, so what are some major historical events in the cannab- in the cannabis industry that you feel that is most notable and why? Um, I guess the one that most people talk about is probably like A-Slinger. He's the one that, um, that started uh, pushing the whole uh, reefer madness. Yeah. The purpose of it, well, the reason was it because, um, the alcohol prohibition was over and they needed a new, I don't know, new drug, a new something to make up for the financial loss dealing with the budgets, dealing with it and, you know, DEA and, you know, well, it wasn't called DEA back then. It was, um, the, 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 I forget, I forget the department of, I forget, we we did a whole episode about Anslinger. Um, yeah, yeah. Season so, one. um, that, you know, that started, that started it, which only ended up giving fuel to a whole bunch of racist actions yeah. and laws dealing with Nixon and all that stuff. So I think that was probably like one of the most, you know, the, uh, a good historical point. Um, and another one ends up being, um, the, the, how the government, uh, the U.S. government patented, patented, uh, cannabis. Hmm. They have they have the patent on the cannabis like molecules in uh, you know in the sense of like what you know what it is different type of cannabinoids um, the fact that it you know and they actually says it on the site that they actually does it actually has medical benefits and they've had this for a long time I believe they filed it like April twenty first or something like that okay uh, but it's yeah you know, it's it's crazy to think about that. The U.S. government actually has said that um, that uh, you know, and 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 they, and they wrote a patent about it, uh, and they wrote a patent about it, like that. Uh, you know that yeah, we agree, but then turns around and all the laws and all the regulations are uh, still a drug war. Yeah, on having no cash, which just doesn't make sense. I think that one ended up being another one. I think if uh, uh, the day of the patent officially ended up being October seventh, two thousand and three, but I think they filed on April twenty first. It's right after April twenty, after four twenty. So 
you know, it's not by coincidence. They're just trying to be funny. That's crazy. Crazy. Yep. It's like in New York City, they, they have, they, they criminalize cannabis, but it's up to the police officer's discretion to arrest you. So how are you decriminalizing something? And the well, police I got officer- arrested in New York. Go ahead. I got arrested in New York once. <laughs> there you go. I think like a block away from uh, Times Square. I had like a, you know, I had like a little hash pen. Hey, yo, I'm, uh, you know, uh, I was kind of embarrassed when it happened because it ended up being one of those like cop undercover uh, that's uh, like a cab. Okay. Yo, my boy, he's from you know, New York like that. Yo, he was laughing. He's like, yo, you fell for that. Ah, yo, that's not, uh, I'm like, yo, that's how they you get know, you. Yeah, I was in and out. I didn't go to the barge or anything like that. Um, and I just had to go take some classes and that was it. A huge waste of time. That's crazy. Um, so, what are some of the challenges you have encountered um, in the industry, especially as a person of color? Being colored? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Being a person of color, it, it, it a, because of the, the 80 plus years of negative propaganda, right? Uh, reefer addicts, reefer madness, that, you know, uh, um, people of minority are criminals, and how the Clinton ended up putting it, the Clintons ended up putting that you know, that we're predators, you know, looking for some somebody, to, you know, to take advantage of and, you know, um, all this stuff saying that we end up using drugs more, which isn't true. So all that stigma still is very much alive today and it shows and how people want to do business too or don't want to do business with you. Yeah. So for the most part, you know, um, I, you know, uh, I conduct, uh, I made myself into a name without people actually seeing my face. So yeah. people know the name Lupino GJ but don't know what I look like. And then and then, you know, and it's always it's always uh really exciting, right? When I end up like, you know, people see me it's like, holy shit, it's like you're 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 is it your minority? You're Puerto Rican? I was like, Yeah. Well it's like, oh my God, like they get really excited. Yeah. I get excited too. I'm like, you know what? Like I met my first Oh man, I met my first black scientist. He was, you know, I was, you know, my boy, my boy um, Wendell from uh, Fino Express. He actually tests uh, um, plants and tell you if it's a male or female. Like a week after, you know, uh, see, yeah. So he's cool as shit. So uh, the first time he, he came actually to uh, our podcast, a joint committee session, um, and uh, you know, we were interviewing him and said, "Oh, blah blah, I want to do you know, just kind of like, oh, cool." And then he walked in, and this black guy walked in, yo, ear like grin from ear to ear, like, <laughs> like in the back of my head, like, holy shit, you're black. It's like this is awesome. It's like <laughs> it's like when I go to conference, like I go and I and I look for every black person in the room. Like I'm specifically looking for black people in the yeah. room. Like and then when we find each other, it's like a it's like a party, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So, um, tell us what um what a Jane Trader event looks like. Can you walk us through? Like, if somebody's going for the first time, what should they expect? Uh, so from the beginning, you're gonna expect somebody friendly to you know meet you at the door. Um, you know if you know we sell VIP packs, so if you end up having a VIP pack, we hand you the bag. Welcome to it. With the VIP packs, you usually end up including like you know uh, different types of seed or cultivation knowledge or you know coupons for like different other sponsors dealing with like uh, nutrients, lights, you know, um, you know tissue culture, uh, cloning, all kinds of stuff. Okay. Um, you come in and you're gonna see you know uh, tables and. Uh, people with either seeds or clones on the table and just willing to automatically talk to you about anything, right? You will see a little clone, like platinum garlic, and, you know, you could talk to the person behind the table. Hey, what does this do? Does it grow? Does he grow tall? Is he bushy? Does he, you know, is he light, like, you know, in weight? Or is he put out a lot of weight? You know, does he, uh, is he high THC? Um, you know, does he take longer than usual? Is she short flowering time? Yeah. All these little things. Does he need more iron? Does he need more, you know, uh, phosphorus? You know, does he, does he have little, like, quirks about her? And you go down the line to all the tables and you pick out, you know, you end up, you know, purchasing whatever you want. Um, or you don't, you know, but yeah, that's kind of about it, you know, and you end up sitting there, you end up getting to long conversations about, you know, uh, oh, I encountered this when I was doing it, and oh, you encountered that for these reasons, blah, blah, so it's a lot of information, 
which is awesome. Yeah, there's a, a lot of a lot of um like like the title of the of the episode, each one teach one. It's a lot of teaching, a lot of a lot of um um you know bringing people the knowledge that they need and to perfect their craft. And I and I appreciate that from you guys um, that you are um, making that happen. And our show is not just seriousness, and we talk about you know serious topics. We also try to have some fun while we while we're talking. So we have a segment called Chess for Fun, where we ask a series of questions um, that's fun, um, and then you know we go from there. So. What a, what was the age that you first smoked? What at what age you first smoked, and how was your experience? Uh, I was I was fifteen, and I did your you know basic weed etiquettes, um, you know puff puff pass. Um, <laughs> my, you know I you know I ended up going you know into the woods with my friends, and they were smoking, and I didn't smoke before. I was like, fuck it, let me try. I was standing on top of this gigantic rock. <laughs> and I puffed, I puffed, passed, and as soon as I passed, I fell off the rock. <laughs> it was some strong shit. Yo, it, no, it wasn't. It was. This is back in. This is like in the nineties. This is like ninety five. Okay. Like, yeah, this is ninety five. It wasn't that. Dude, this is still when Mexican brick weed was still. Oh, in. I remember those. <laughs> Matter of fact, I ran, I just ended up uh, ended up getting uh, in a huge conversation with a breeder that he actually has Mexican brick. Oh man! The actual plant. He was like, I was like, yo, please, I want to, I want to grow it. He's like, <laughs> it's like, yo, honestly, it doesn't taste like anything. It's weird. So that was your first. That was your, the first time you smoked with that. That's crazy. Yeah, man. Um, and what what is your favorite plant to grow? Um, my, uh, I'm gonna say probably. Oh man, that's hard one. <laughs> I'm gonna say probably like I one that I grew for a long time, LA Confidential. Okay, never had it. Oh, it's it's awesome. It's an awesome one. Uh, right now, I'm doing you know I'm I'm in love with like a co- a cookies and cream. Okay, yeah, I love those. Yeah. Um, I love the purple, the purple type weeds, a real like real true genetic purple, not like horse cold purple. Um. There's a big difference, but the problem is that they're generally not potent. They're they're like really 50-50 like CBD THC. So a lot of people think that doesn't do anything, but you know they're beautiful to watch, to cultivate, beautiful to cut, everything. It's like pretty crazy. Okay. All right. And if you can smoke with any famous person, dead or alive, who will you smoke with, and what will you talk about? Oh man. I, when I read this uh, originally, me and my boy got into like two hour conversation about <laughs> who, who, you know, who and what and this like that. And I mean, for a good time, for like a good, good time, I think it'd be Eddie Murphy. Oh right? man, yo, he'll be hilarious. Yeah, but, you know why? But I think I ended up, uh, in, uh, and I think I ended up actually doing like, um, Oprah as for business, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I changed my mind to Eddie Murphy because Eddie Murphy is a pioneer in so many respects. You That's know, he sure. knows, uh, you know, the entertainment business. He's wrote, written movies. He's hung out with like, the, you know, the best comedians in the industry. He's done it. You know, like, to just get, besides being funny as hell, to just get a lot of that knowledge out of, uh, out of him, I think it'll be phenomenal. And, and like you, he's like, he has put on so many actors um, in, in, in the movie, in the movie scene, like in every movie, like it's old movies, you will see like Chris Rock, like he was, like that was his first movie. Um, what was his name? Um, Cuba Gooden Jr. When he did Coming to America, that was his first movie. Um, he put so many people on that it's not that people don't give him the credit that he deserved for that. Yeah, Cuba Gooden Jr. sitting on that little barber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, did you did you hear about that video? He, he was drunk in a club, wilding out. Yeah, Kobe Gooden Jr. Yeah, and, and he was grabbing uh, on women. <laughs> he was grabbing uh, on women too. So that that's you know Hollywood would do that to say you. That in public. <laughs> yeah, Hollywood would do that to you. You know, once you get to oh big. Um. So, what do your friends and family think about your work? Um. Originally, uh, in the beginning, it was um. You know, oh, that's not a real career. You know, you're going to get in trouble. 
you know, it's never going to be legal. You know, they, they, you know, they, they left. Yeah. Like a lot of people do. And that happens all across the board. A lot, like everybody trying to get into it, you know, uh, you know, uh, a wife, husband, just, you know, it's really hard to understand when you have this vision of a new industry, you know? Um, not just thinking that, oh, you just want to smoke free weed and be high all day. I mean, yes, but I'm making money as well. Yeah. And I don't mean like hustling. I mean, I mean like actual, like, you know, tax paying business. I build websites. I build graphic designs. I manage events. Um, and this plan actually helps people and you're actually helping people learn the craft, how to grow, um, a, a, a good plan, a good healthy plan that, it's going to um, benefit a lot of people, not just, you know, to get high, but medically as well. So they were laughing in the beginning, but now they're not laughing. <laughs> now, they're def- now they're definitely, now they see millions of dollars being made and me on interviews, newspapers, TV, being called this and that, awards. And they're like, holy shit, like, holy shit, this is serious. Yeah. So it's a, it's a much different story now than it used to be. Um, much, much different. So yeah. I, I do, I do like that. But yeah. you guys, you know, sometimes when you believe in something, everybody, I mean, everybody will give up on you and tell you that you can't do it. Yeah. Don't, don't listen. Don't listen. You have to keep going. You have to, you know, cause even if you, even if, you know what, even if you failed, you tried and like 98% of people don't even try. Hmm. Somebody told me that if you make seven, less than seventy thousand dollars a year, you should start your own business. Because what the hell's the point? You're making spending forty hours a week, maybe even more, for a place that you're never going to climb. That out you're never going to own. Never. So why? Why? If you make less than seventy thousand dollars a year, you should start your own business. At least try. At least say you yeah. tried it, and then go back. The jobs are always going to be there. That's right. And if, that was like me. I'm a I'm a union. Um, I'm a union um, representative. So I used to work with. Many unions um, um, helping workers um, get get unionized, and you know that job is always going to be there. There's always going to be union union workers, um, but I had to take a I had to take a chance with my nonprofit. I do have a nonprofit that works with young people out in the city, and my podcast. So you know, I took a venture and see how it goes because this is to me this is my last my last chance. I see it as to become an entrepreneur. And now become just another number, another employee. You know. Yeah, another. So you know, some people are like, oh, I don't want to be no statistic. I was like, yeah, but there's statistics to both sides, right? There's statistics of people that fail, and there's statistics of people that succeed. Yeah, it's just about which side of the number you want to be in. Yeah, and how much work you want to put into succeeding. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. So, what is next for Gene Traders and D Nine Lux? Short term uh, and long term goals. Uh, all right, so uh, short-term goals, you know, um, you know, we we uh, Gene Traders carries about three to four events a year. Our next one is going to be on May second. After that, end of July, beginning of August, and then November timeframe uh, will be the last one for the year. Uh, we continue, you know, we're just continuing to grow. We're actually looking into going to uh, Michigan, Cali, uh, Canada. Um, actually, we might have a trip to go out to Colombia, um, wow. like uh, in the end of August as well, which is awesome. phenomenal. We got we got invited out there to uh, do some speaking and stuff, so that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, that that well, that one the speaking ends up being more from D Nine Lux because of the branding and just you know um, part of the thing. Part the biggest problem with all this ends up being that we need to change the narrative. Like yeah. the story has been saying for so long. That that's all anybody knows and or believes. So going out there and repeating myself is the long term thing until you know it just it just becomes common knowledge at least. Uh, but there's so much work to do, and it, damn, it's impossible for me to do it all. I'm just doing what I can. Yeah, and that's all we can do. Just put our grain, you know, and let that and let that sit there. Put our seed and let that grow. You know? Right, right, right. For sure. Yeah, so we almost near our end. So if, if if you have any advice for our listeners that are interested in starting a business in the cannabis industry, what would that advice be? Uh, keep your word. A lot of a lot, um, watch your partnerships. Mm. You know, a lot of reasons that uh, the main reason that a lot of businesses end up buckling and failing is because of bad partnerships. Yeah. 
Uh, one person thinks one thing, another one thinks another. They start beefing, and next thing you know, the business is done. They're fighting over the business. One person's buying out another one. You know, uh, for me, I, I have never run into that problem because I own all of my companies. Mm. I don't have any partners. I don't answer to anybody. So, you know, I understand that, you know, it, you know, you can't always go at it alone. So you, oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it's, you, you know, you got to watch your partnerships. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to make sure that your contracts are solid. You got to make sure that people that are you know, signing the contract, that everybody's actually, like, uh, playing their part. You know, I mean, it, I, I can't stress it enough how, you know, people end up just uh, saying, you know, just following the wrong things for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. especially dealing with money because they want to make more money versus, like, being consistent in quality. Yeah. Uh, I've had tons of people that, you know, say that the investors aren't listening to them and making them do stuff that just making them put out crappy products. Like it happens every day. So watch your partnerships, watch your investors, make sure that, you know, you have, when if you, you know, like the big thing is like you're building something from the ground up, uh, yeah. right? The ground up. And all of a sudden now you, you know, you got to take a partner rise the blah, blah. And next thing you know, they're just completely messing it up. You got to make sure that the contract says, you know, yeah, you're putting all this money together, but I'm in full control. Yeah. Because I built this. You're not going to come in here and tell me, you're not going to come in here and tell me what, you know, uh, if I was a farmer, what a cow is and what a dog is. Yeah. I know which one is what. Yeah. So, you know, watch watch the partnerships. That's that's number one thing. Watch your contracts. Read, read, read. Make sure you don't get yourself into some silly situation. You know, you know, uh, verbal agreements are cool, but you know, written, written. agreements are better. Yeah, everything written down, especially in this everything industry written. where a lot of people just are looking to make a buck, and they just um, they see they see ideas and they just run with it without even putting in the work. You know, so um, that's a good advice. Uh, and if people want to get in contact with you, or listeners want to get in contact with you, or get involved. And the work that you are doing, um, where should they reach you? Um, they can go to any of our websites, um, d9lux.com, uh, genetraders.com. Um, what else? Um, Instagram. Uh, or, 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 yeah, or Instagram uh, at, at genetraders or at d9lux. Or uh, also my personal one, um, at Lupino420. Uh, that one isn't much about business. That one is just me, like, putting out a lot of a lot of funny things. It's just yeah, entertainment, yeah. really. I'll put out information, too, if I need to, like, PSAs that have nothing to do with, like, my companies. It's just, you know, and that's where I, if any, that's where I put out, like, information that, you know, people need to know. But most of the time, it's just about just keeping it entertaining, really. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, but thank you. Talking- Oh, you guys can call me at my uh, my office number too, 860-515-8662. That sounds great. Say that again. 860-515-8662. Well, you heard it here first. Um, if you want to get in, in contact, if you want to get involved, just give them a shout out. Thank you so much, Lupino, for stopping by. Um, and blessing us with your knowledge and, and, and everything that you have brought to the industry. Thank you so much for stopping by, my brother. Anytime, man. Anytime. Anytime you need me to, you know, share my thoughts or, you know, need more, some more information or something, I'm always available. You know, uh, even if I end up being just some written, something written like that, I can type something out and just send it over to just make sure that, you know, information gets given. You know, consider me a good source of information. If I can't find the answer, I know plenty of people that can find the answer. I'll get you the answer. So anytime, anytime. Yeah, and then maybe we can do an episode solely on growing, like the, 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 the process of growing a plant. Because a lot of our people don't know that process and they think it's easy when it's not. <laughs> you know, so oh, they need to hear that. I'm totally down with that. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you so much again, Lou, for stopping by. And again, this has been another episode of Blue Dream Radio. As always, I'm your host, Freedom. Any companies that want to sponsor us, please hit us up. Any any companies that want us to try their, their cannabis, please hit us up. Um, we do uh, cannabis reviews. So um, look out for that. And thank you for tuning in. And I'll see you next week. Peace, mi gente.
bring up the guns, you gon' respect us. That little vest ain't gon' do ya. I chew for Mecca. I ain't even tryna hold ya. Magnolia Slim. I'm a soldier from that mode. I'm the ghost of him. From the ever police stretcher, no cameras catch it. Chop you off in the rival hood, you rather be arrested. Are you enjoying this podcast? If you haven't done so already, rate us. Your voice matters and gets us in front of new listeners every single day. Have a great weekend. Peace. That's the blood that goes through me. So if you assume it, I could never sell my soul. They sold, they sold to me. Peaceful teaching the roomy, but don't confuse me. You mouth fall for the cameras, I make a silent movie. Now here's some jury. No civilization is conquered from the outside until it destroys itself from within. Pin. Put a pin in that, we'll come back when I fin. You can't talk like I talk, cause you ain't been where I've been.